Today, I'm going to talk to you about something that's probably going to be pretty familiar to you. And when I, when I first read these couple of scriptures, you're going to probably know these scriptures and think, well, we've, we've talked about them, we've probably heard them preached on before, we've referenced these, these two verses multiple times. So I'm asking you right now to, to not check out, because I think God gave me some stuff, some new stuff about these couple of verses and these scriptures, and I don't want you to just check out and start thinking about something else, because I believe you'll miss what God's trying to say in it and through it. So today, I'm going to spend the remainder of our time together talking about salt. We're just really going to focus on salt today. Are you salty? Some of y'all are. But Jesus' definition of salty is a little bit different than, than our definition of salty nowadays. You know, that would mean you... You're in a bad, you got a bad attitude, you're kind of a bad thing, but that's not how, how Jesus meant it. I don't know about you, but I love salt on things that are supposed to be salty. Right? I don't like salt on things that aren't supposed to be salty, but I love salt on things that are supposed to be salty, like french fries. In fact, it's aggravating to me if I go through a fast food restaurant and I order some french fries and I pop them in my mouth and there's no salt on them. Or there's so little salt on them, I can't taste it. It's, like, it's almost like a waste. Like the fry is not even worth it. Shouldn't I, be, I might not even eat those. Like you forgot to put the salt. That should be the most important thing. I love salt on things that are supposed to be salty. You know, one time when me and Jesse first got together, um, we were at McDonald's here in Bremen, back when it was good. <laughs> A lot of things in the world were better back then, 20 years ago. But <laughs> me and Jesse were there in Bremen, and we were at McDonald's, and we didn't know each other that well. And most of y'all know our story, so we, we didn't know each other that well, and it it was a great time for her to get to know me a little better. And so <laughs> she makes the comment to me. I, I think I said something like, oh, that, that has a little bit too much salt on it. And she says to me, there can never be too much salt on a French fry. And I was like, in my mind, challenge accepted. So when she went either to get a refill or to the bathroom or something, I took a nice big fat french fry, pulled it right out of her box, wet the back of that bad boy a little bit, dumped a whole packet of salt that stuck to the nice moisture, and then perfectly placed that french fry back, salt down, but solid salt all the way on the bottom of that fry, and waited with great anticipation for this 18-year-old girl to come back and literally eat her words. There can't be too much salt on a french fry. I waited. She grabbed the wrong fry. I said, God. Waited. Wrong fry. Come on. She's like, everything okay? Why aren't you eating? I'm good. She finally grabbed that right fry. And it worked so perfectly because when she picked it up, solid salt on the bottom. She never saw it. Stuck her tongue out. And laid all that salt across her tongue. <laughs> in that moment she found out there was more to me than she thought 
And I was right. You can have too much salt on a French fry. And I, I tell that story because that was the last time I was right. So I like to keep bringing it up as much as possible. <laughs> salt on the French fry. But I love salt on things that it's supposed to be on. Things that are supposed to be salty. Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. And back then, when Jesus spoke this, I just wanted to talk for just a minute about salt. Because to us, salt is not that valuable. But back in Jesus' day, when Jesus said these things that were written down in the Gospels about salt, we're going to look at several different things that Jesus said about salt. Back then, salt was very valuable. And even at certain times during Jesus' life and in and around that time and before Jesus was born, salt was of the same value as gold, ounce for ounce. Like you could trade 10 ounces of salt for 10 ounces of gold. It was of equal value. That's crazy. That's pretty crazy to think about. But you need to know that that these few things we're about to look at about salt. And when Jesus talked about salt, he was talking about something that was very valuable in their day, something that had a lot of uses, something that they used for, for all different things, but it was the, the same value as gold, ounce for ounce. And in Jesus' day, Roman soldiers, remember the Romans were kind of in charge at that point in time, and the Roman soldiers were paid with salt. They would come at the end of every day and they would be handed a big handful of salt. And that was, their, that was their pay for the day. That's how valuable it was. And they would use the salt for all these different uses. We're going to talk about a couple of the different uses. Um, but then they could also use the salt to trade for things that they needed or they got paid in salt. That's where the saying, worth your weight or worth your salt some people say worth your weight in salt or worth your salt. She's not worth her salt. That's where that saying came from. So if he was a good Roman soldier, he was worth his salt. It was worth his pay for the day. Salt is also where we came up with our English word salary. Your pay for the day for doing a job. It came from the word salt. That's how valuable salt was. Are you worth your salt? Salt was and is needed to live a healthy life. You have to have some salt in your body. You're supposed to. There's all different things in your body that you need some salt in moderation. You can't have too much, but you're supposed to have some salt in your body to function properly. So Jesus talks about salt a few times. That tells me that it must be important. And I would think that anything Jesus talked about, even if he just mentioned it, is probably important. But salt, Jesus talks about it multiple different times. So it must be a pretty important thing. There must be something here that we need to grasp. And I want you to realize that Jesus and the people that would have been following him and listening to him, his disciples, would have known about salt and its value. So I looked it up, and there are over 14,000 uses for salt. So if I take only one second to tell you about each use, it will take right around four hours to get through this. So are you all ready? 
I didn't think y'all would be down for a four-hour message, and more than that, I don't think I could get them in one second each. So I narrowed it down to the three most popular uses. We're only going to do three of them, but I'm going to take more than a second on each one, okay? The three most popular uses, and this was back in Jesus' day, all the way until this today, they can be used for these three things. But back then, this was the three most popular things that salt was used for, other than like trading and bartering and stuff. But the, the top three most biggest uses of most biggest most biggest uses is of salt. All right, ready for this. The first one. It seasons, salt seasons, flavors. Uh, we already talked about that some. It's used for seasoning and flavoring. So what Jesus said, those two verses, and then we'll talk about seasoned and flavoring. Ye are the salt of the earth. Jesus said, you. Who was he talking to? His followers. These are all people that had chosen to follow him his disciples his followers this is what he said you are the salt of the earth my brother benny says that salt is the salt of the earth and he's well he's kind of got a point there <laughs> but jesus said you are if you consider yourself a jesus follower you are the salt of the earth but if the salt hath lost its savor or lost its flavor Wherewith shall it be salted, or what good is it? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. It's worthless. It's useless. If salt doesn't have flavor, Jesus is saying, what good is it? It has no purpose. It's, it's not, it's not going to do anything. Might as well just throw it out and walk on it. Then he says, you are the light of the world. I feel like we talk a lot about the light, that you're the light of the world. Jesus, John tells us that Jesus is the light that came to light every man. And if Jesus is in you, there's that light inside of you, this little light of mine. We talk a lot about the light, but not so much about the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So Jesus said, you, his followers, his disciples are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your flavor. That's pretty much what Jesus said in that first verse we read. Your salt, don't lose your flavor because then you'll be worthless. So as I was thinking about it this week, I was thinking about like, nobody says, man, that's some beefy salt. No, they would probably say, God, that's some salty beef. Nobody says, that is some foodie salt. No, they might say, that is some salty food. You ever heard somebody say, there is way, way too much food in this salt? I haven't. But I have heard people say, there is way too much salt in this food. Why? Why? Because salt changes the food, not the other way around. 
as Christians and as salt, you were meant to change everything that you were placed in. You change the flavor. So when you go to work, you change the atmosphere. You change the flavor of that job. And even if you're the only one, it, it just takes a little bit of salt to flavor something. You know, you can sit there and throw a couple of spoonfuls of salt into a giant pot of soup and it flavors the whole entire pot. You got to be careful to not throw too much. It doesn't take a whole lot. And I feel like so many things times and so many things as Christians is just small, simple steps of obedience that God asked us to do. And that one little thing, it'll, it'll do a lot if you just do it. You were meant to flavor your atmosphere. Wherever that is. Whatever you do to change the way it tastes. A little bit goes a long ways. Sometimes all God wants you to do is small. Change the flavor. You don't even have to be seen. It doesn't have to be big. You know, after you throw that, those spoons full of salt in the big pot of soup, it just kind of dissolves and disappears. You can't even see the salt. But you can taste it. You don't have to be seen. You just do what God tells you to do. You just play your part. You don't like it doesn't matter if everybody knows you did or nobody knows you did or one person knows you did that's cuz you're not doing it for everybody else. If you're the salt, if you're just there to add the flavor where God told you to add flavor, you just do what you're supposed to do. You just live with integrity. You just you get up and you spend your time with God and you you say the things that he has for you to say and you you flavor your job and you flavor your school and you flavor your marriage and you flavor your house and your environment that you live in and, and it doesn't matter if anybody sees or not. They'll taste it. When they taste your soup, they'll taste it. it, it you don't have to be seen. You can't even see the salt after it dissolves. It doesn't even have to be big but you do need to mix with all the other ingredients. You don't have to be seen. Your part doesn't have to be huge. You're whatever God tells you to do, but you are going to have to mix with other ingredients. I think if that was a, we'll say, a vegetable beef stew that I'm talking about since we're using soup as an example, if I throw the salt in there, it doesn't pick which ingredients it's going to affect and which ones it doesn't. I don't like green beans, so I'm not going to flavor them because I'm going to hang out over here with this chunk of meat. What? Your salt. Like, you flavor everything in the pot. So, you, you don't, like, you don't pick and choose. I'm only going to be salt to them and them. I'm not going to be salt to the PowerPoint people because I don't like computer people. Like I, I, that's not my thing, so I just, I picked y'all because that's not, I was thinking of another area. <laughs> Salt mixes with all the other ingredients. See, you might have to dissolve. Remember, it's not about you. 
It's about the flavor. It's about the hope flavor. It's about the love flavor. It's about having the flavor of faith in your life. The flavor of freedom. It's about bringing out the God flavors. You know what else salt does on the same one with seasoning and flavors? It, salt makes you thirsty. Some of y'all are probably thirsty right now. I'm thirsty right now just from talking about salt. Salt makes you thirsty. As a Christian and as a Jesus follower, if you're a disciple, you should make the people around you thirsty. Right? You should make people want a drink of that living water that Jesus offers. That was the point. Think about it. Jesus said, remember what Jesus told the woman at the well, I have a living water that I'm going to give you and you'll never thirst again. And the scripture tells us that out of you shall flow rivers of living water. And then here Jesus tells us that we're salt. So we make people thirsty and then we have what they need to drink. Like he gave us what they're going to crave and what they're going to need when they get around us. So we're supposed to make them thirsty, and then when they're thirsty, want a drink, we got that drink to give them. We're supposed to have the water and the salt. You can't just be all salty and not have the water. But you need the salt to make them thirsty. Salt makes you thirsty. Look at... um, Luke 14, 25. I just wanted to read you this a little bit. I'm going to read it to you in the Message Bible. Um, Jesus was talking here. And I'm sure you've heard this story, but it hit me this week when I was reading this because I was looking up different spots where Jesus talked about salt. And this is going to be one of those spots, and I try to make sure everything's in context. So I usually read a little bit before and a little after and just kind of see what Jesus was talking about. And... I thought this was kind of funny. Maybe you won't, but um, I just backed up a little bit to get this whole thought that Jesus is talking about. And what's going on is um, there have been a lot of new Jesus followers come in and all the disciples are around him, but then there's all these new recruits, if you will. These new people that are wanting to follow him. And Jesus is telling them, hey, this is what it's going to cost. You want to follow me? This is what it's going to look like. And look what Jesus says. One day when large groups of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, Anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self. He said, if you're not, you've even got to let go of yourself. Can't be my disciple. Anyone who won't shoulder his own cross or his purpose, what God purposed you to do, that word cross is is purpose, and follow behind me, he can't be my disciple. Is there anyone here who planning to build a new house doesn't first sit down and figure the cost? Jesus isn't talking about building a house. He's talking about your purpose, living a meaningful life. Figure the cost. 
you'll know if you can complete it. If you only get the foundation laid and then you run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. Everyone passing by will poke fun at you. He started something he couldn't finish. Ha ha. Or can you imagine a king going into battle against another king without first deciding whether it's possible with his 10,000 troops to face the 20,000 troops of the other? And if he decides he can't, won't he send an emissary and work out a truce? Simply put, if you're not willing to take Simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. Salt is excellent. That's why I was like, wait, what? See that? That's the... Or people and kiss them goodbye, you can't be my disciple. Salt is excellent. I'm like, wait, Jesus, you got off subject. Jesus, you, well, hold on a second. You were talking about counting the cost, and you were talking about if you want to be my disciple, and if you don't love me more than you love your mom and your dad and your spouse and even your own body, you can't follow me. Salt is good. Like, we went from sacrifice, disciple, Leadership seminar, you switch to the cooking channel. I don't know what you're talking about here. Salt is excellent, but if the salt goes flat, it's useless. It's good for nothing. Are you listening to this? Are you really listening? That's what Jesus said. Wait, why was Jesus... Why did he end that little part right there talking about that? He's talking about sacrifice. He's talking about what it means to be salt. Salt is excellent. And you are the salt. I want to point out before we get into number, the second one. Jesus didn't say you're the salt patrol or you're the salt police. Like you're supposed to judge when other people lost their flavor, other salt's no good. He said, you're the salt. So here's number two. Salt preserves. That was one of their main uses for it. It preserves. They would take their meat and, you know, they didn't have, like, refrigerators and freezers and stuff like we had. So, like, the Roman soldiers would take big slabs of meat and rub it down with salt. And you would toss salt on it until it covered the whole thing. It would take, just toss salt, toss salt. Rub it on until it's all covered. And it would make the meat last. Like a giant slab of beef jerky. And it would last for a long time. Right, because it sucks all the moisture and the bacteria and stuff like that out of it. And it would make 
the meat last. It preserves. Another thing they used it for was um, in making of mummies. And they used it to prepare dead bodies so that they wouldn't decay. And that it would preserve the body. So salt preserves. When you want to season something, remember the first meaning, seasoning, add flavor to the world around you. When you want to season something, you sprinkle. You make sure it doesn't come out too fast. Take a pinch. You throw it out when you're seasoning. Have you ever picked up a salt shaker? Like at a restaurant or something that somebody thought they'd be funny and unscrewed the lid and then sat it back on? That prank so that when you get this nice plate of food that you've been waiting on and you go to put a little bit of salt on it, the lid comes off and... How aggravating is that? Your food's ruined. Right? It's really hard to like, what, are you going to scrape that off and eat it? Like, it ruins the food. Right? Because to flavor something, you sprinkle. You don't toss. You don't pour. You, don't, you certainly don't dump. You sprinkle. But to preserve... You toss, you may even pour a little bit. Salt preserves. As Christians, we are supposed to preserve. We should preserve the truth of what we believe. We preserve God's word, God's story, the, the word that we have here and, and his story throughout time. We we're supposed to preserve the life and teachings of Jesus. We preserve our faith. What does that look like? Like, how, how do I preserve? How do I toss salt on all those things that you just said? Through the Word, through reading and studying and letting the Word come to life, through worship, not just on Sunday morning for 30 minutes with the worship team, but throughout the week in my life, I, what is it? What am I doing? I'm tossing salt, tossing salt to preserve my life of faith so that it doesn't decay, it doesn't rot, it doesn't go away. I'm preserving it. What else? I pray. Quiet time. Journal. We become doers of the word. That's how we preserve. That's what salt does. Salt says, no, I'm not going to let some bacteria get in me. I'm not going to let some moisture that's going to rot me away and keep me from being what I'm supposed to be from being the best that I can be. I'm, I'm not going to, no, I'm going to keep tossing salt on it. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep going to God. I'm going to continually come to his feet and I'm going to keep tossing salt on it. I'm going to be a doer 
So when somebody offends me, I'm going to go to them. I'm not going to let it build into this thing and this bitterness. And I'm sure not going to then turn around and let their offense cause me to go and gossip to somebody else. So now there's an offense with them. And now I've done just as bad as the person that offended me. And then I'm going to start this whole chain and cycle. No, because I'm meant to preserve. I'm meant to preserve. So if I'm offended, I'm going to do what Jesus said and I'm going to go to him. And what's that going to do? Suck the bitterness out of my heart. Because it's what he said to do. That's what salt does. Salt preserves. We forgive. And we give when he says to give and we love and we serve and we believe and we worship and we sacrifice. You see, we don't just sprinkle when it comes to preservation. We toss. It's going to take more than a sprinkle. We toss. And sometimes we don't feel like it. And sometimes relationships hard, but that's part of being a disciple. Is we toss. We preserve. We toss salt on our faith walk, if you will. And this is how we make disciples. When you get close enough, you're tossing salt on your own faith life. And when you get in relationship close enough with somebody that can receive it, then you allow them to toss a little salt on you too. Right? You'll allow me to say, hey, <laughs> you're missing it right here. I see a little bit of decay coming on. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna toss a little bit of salt on you. Don't get mad. Don't spit it out. I'm going to stick some salt to the back of your french fry. But it's for your good. <laughs> Toss a little salt. That's discipleship. Look, remember the Great Commission, what Jesus said after he died, went to the cross, and the last thing in the end of Matthew that he says to the disciples. We all should be disciples. I'm going to read you the Great Commission. It's in Matthew 28, verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. First of all, they wouldn't have heard any of this if they didn't go where Jesus told them to go. And so you have to go where he told you to go. First, that's, that's the first thing. You miss it all if, like, you can stop reading right there if you can't get that. You go where he told you to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. They started worshiping. But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. To the very end of the age. But the part I really wanted to hit on was that verse 19 where it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, 
that's our call. Like that's part of the Great Commission is that we would go and make disciples of all nations, of all people, of everybody. We come in contact with how? We toss salt because we are salt. And in making of disciples, you don't just toss enough to taste good. That doesn't make real disciples. It makes soft Christians. That's not making disciples if you're just tossed in enough to taste good. But when something hard happens, you can't dig in deep. Uh, when you do something that's offensive, I can't even say anything because we're not on that level. What does that mean? It means in our relationship, there's just been a lot of sprinkling going on. There's been a lot of flavoring. Let me flavor that a little bit with love. Love you too. Yeah, but, but if we're going to be disciples and we're going to go deeper in our walk with Jesus and if we're going to get in relationship with each other, then we got to get to the point where I can toss a little bit of salt and it's not going to taste that good. It might burn your mouth a little bit. And you can do the same to me. That's what it means to be a disciple. If you can't admit when you're wrong, that that's the first place we need to start because we're all wrong. We all need to be able to admit when we're wrong, especially when somebody we're in close relationship with us with calls us out or throws a little salt on it. We got to be able to take it because that's how you make disciples. Not just enough to taste good. Enough to preserve it. Preserve what? The relationship. The story that's God, that God's trying to write through this relationship, through this church, through this community. You can keep getting bigger and bigger through the world, through the kingdom. To preserve what God's trying to do. We got to throw enough salt to suck out all the bitterness. We gotta throw enough salt to suck out unforgiveness. We gotta throw enough salt to suck out sin and the weight which doth so easily beset us. Get that mess out of there. He said, make disciples. You can't make one if you aren't one. I've seen a lot of people trying to make disciples, and I'm not convinced that they were a disciple. They will correct everybody else, but they won't take correction. You can't make disciples if you're not a disciple yourself. So look in the mirror. Throw salt on yourself. Toss salt on yourself. And be willing to receive it from other people. We got to learn how to forgive. I was going to go say some other stuff there, but I don't I don't feel like I need to. I guess what I'm saying is discipleship doesn't always taste good. 
but in preserving your faith. It's preserving your purpose. You can come once in a while and get a little sprinkle about love or hope and that'll taste good to you. But your faith, your story, your purpose, your ultimate meaning in life, your place in the kingdom, it'll, it'll rot. It'll eventually disappear without preservation. So we got to toss the salt. Salt flavors, salt seasons, salt preserves. And in my own life, when I go through something hard, all of the salt that I've tossed on my heart, it pulls out the things that will cause it to rot. Right? It sucks out the bitterness. It sucks out the fear. It sucks out the anger. And even when somebody says, hey, you're in the wrong so I've got people that can call me out and do. And there's always that, I'm in the wrong, you're in the wrong. I'm in the, like, you want to get defensive. But I choose daily, daily to toss salt on my heart. Suck that stuff out. Worship and prayer and in the word and digging and salt it pulls out all that stuff um, Leviticus 2 verse 13 one verse here I don't know if you knew this or not but remember how the children of Israel the Hebrews and then the children of Israel they always made sacrifices until Jesus came and died on the cross we had to make sacrifices to cover our sins that was man's way of covering sin and I mean God set it up but check this out you may not have known this and every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt neither salt thou suffer neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering with all thy offerings thou shalt offer salt every time they made a sacrifice they were to cover it in salt top to bottom, head to toe. If they were sacrificing a lamb, they would bring in the lamb. You've, I know you've heard about the sacrifices, but you may not have known that they were told to cover that bad boy in salt. The whole thing every time was covered in salt. So every time they brought an offering or a sacrifice, they covered it in salt. Hundreds of times, thousands of times, millions of times. The sacrifice there was a picture of our lamb, our sacrifice that would one day come and die on the cross for us, was covered in salt. 
the most common meat offering was a lamb. And we know that it's all types and shadows pointing to the lamb, Jesus. But to be received, it had to be covered in salt. If you brought a lamb for a sacrifice and it wasn't covered in salt, it was not received. The priest would reject your lamb and your sins and the sins of your household were not covered. They couldn't receive it if it wasn't covered in salt. Jesus didn't quote the Old Testament very often, but he quoted this verse in Mark 9, verse 49. Jesus quotes this. Look at it. Mark 9, 49. And we're almost done. For everyone shall be salted with fire. And every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. And he goes on to say in, in verse 50, salt is good. But if the salt have lost its salt, saltiness, wherewith will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with another. Now the Message Bible words that. I think it, it helps to understand. Everyone's going through a refining fire sooner or later. But you'll be well preserved, protected from the eternal flames. Be preservatives yourself. Yourselves preserve the peace. So Jesus is talking about it. Jesus said, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. And as I thought about it and studied it and was looking at these different verses, I, it hit me that Jesus is the lamb. He was the ultimate sacrifice. And a lamb's what was used for sacrifice. And then there are other sacrifices like the bread. There's the sacrifice of bread. Well, Jesus always said, I am the lamb. Like we know there's all these scriptures that says Jesus is the lamb of God, came to take away the sin of the world. The prophecies tell us that Jesus is the lamb. Jesus also said, I am the bread. I'm the bread of life. He told the disciples when he gave them communion, he took the bread. He said, this is my body. It represents me. I'm the bread. Jesus never once is called the salt. He never referred to himself as the salt. He never said, I am the salt. The Bible never says Jesus is the salt or likens Jesus to salt in any way. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the bread. Jesus is the sacrifice. And the whole Old Testament is types and shadows of the new covenant that was to come. What we live today. So Jesus said, hey, y'all know them sacrifices and they would have known, yeah, they've been going on for hundreds of years. Of course we know the sacrifices. And Jesus even reminded them, you know how when you bring the lamb, you got to cover it in salt. And then Jesus said, you're the salt. 
you're the salt of the earth. So I'm going to make this sacrifice and I'm going to die on the cross for your sins and I'm going to make a way for you to be in relationship and I'm going to tell you to go make disciples and go to the world. But if you don't cover it in the salt, they're not going to receive it. You see, the sacrifice has to be covered in salt. You got to be all over it. You're the salt. You see, the world's never going to know about the sacrifice that was made unless the salt. It's going to be rejected. What if it's covered in salt? Then it'll be received. You're the salt. Numbers 18 and 19 and then uh, 2 Chronicles 13, 5 both illustrate salt as a covenant of friendship in cultures throughout the region where the Israelites were. The eating of salt was a sign of friendship or the covenant of friendship. Salt Last thing, and we're done. You know, I bet you didn't see this one coming either. So the first one, salt seasons or salt flavors. We're supposed to flavor the world. Right? And the second one, it preserves. We're supposed to preserve our faith walk. We preserve and in discipleship we help to preserve each other. Last one. Salt kills. Salt kills. But if you want to kill something with salt, you dump it. Dump it on it. The problem is, I feel like a lot of Christians don't know where to dump the salt. I mean, some people try to go out and witness by dumping, by dumping salt, and it, it kills. It kills the moment. It kills the voice. It kills your chance to speak into that person's life. Well, you can't just run up to somebody, and even if it's something you believe or something, you can't just run up to somebody that you're trying to tell about Jesus and just sit there and dump a thing of salt on them it'll kill your chances real quick if you died a gruesome death right now by a bus flying over here and smashing your body where would you spend eternity you're just dumping salt that person's gone you just lost you killed the moment that's not a good way to witness foul ball try again as Christians we're supposed to have discernment and know when we're supposed to sprinkle and where we're supposed to toss and at times when and where we're supposed to dump 
to kill. Have you ever dumped when you probably should have sprinkled? You can ruin the meal by dumping instead of sprinkling. Just to show you how deadly salt can be, I looked up a couple things. Did you know a quarter of a pound of salt eaten at one time with no fresh water taken in will kill a 330-pound man? And that's only 20 teaspoons of salt. Dead. So I figured most of y'all... Like, that's, that's if you don't drink any water in. So cut that in half. 10 teaspoons of salt will kill a 165-pound person. It'll kill you. 10 teaspoons of salt. I was surprised that it's that little. Could kill you. Salt also kills weeds. Salt, when I said there was 14,000 uses, there, there's all kind of things. Now we have like all these chemicals that do all kind of stuff. But back in the day, like salt in the wound, you know, that was a thing. There's all kind of different uses for salt, but it was used as a cleaner, as a disinfectant. As, uh, But one of the things was, one of the main things was a weed killer. Like you got grass growing up through a crack in your driveway and you go dump salt on it and come back in the next day or two and it's dead. It'll kill it. If you take salt and dump it on a snail or a slug, gone. In fact, salt kills almost all insects. When I looked it up, it said that it melts their skeleton, whatever it's called, their skeleton kills them. Ants, all kinds of stuff. Salt when dumped, salt when taken in in excess, it kills. It can kill weeds. It's an effective, non-toxic herbicide for controlling weeds in the garden. It kills plants. It can kill animals. It can kill people. You ever heard of the Dead Sea? There near Jerusalem. The Dead Sea, how it got its name, the Dead Sea, is because it is so salty that no animals or plants can live in it. Why? Because it's too salty. It's not just a little bit of salt. It's not just a flavor. It's salt kills. So what makes the difference? The amount that is applied. Is it a sprinkle? Is it a toss? Is it a kill? You remember a minute ago when I was talking about discipleship and relationship and being in each other's life and calling somebody out. Well, if you run up in there and start dumping, you can kill. You can kill that relationship. You can kill that. And that's not what we want to do. That's not the purpose. So if I don't dump it on people that don't know Jesus, I don't dump it on his followers, like that's supposed to be a sprinkle, 
right? That's supposed to just be a good flavor to get them to come in, and then things get hard, right? Then discipleship kicks in. So I don't, I'm not supposed to dump it on the world out there, and I'm not supposed to dump it on people that I disagree with. And, and you just now said, like, I'm not supposed to dump it or kill the relationships that I have in the church or my wife. So where, where am I supposed to dump? I get where I'm supposed to sprinkle. I get where I'm supposed to toss. Where am I supposed to dump? You, you got to dump it on you. You're the salt. So where you dump is on your pride. Where you dump is on your lust. Where you dump is on those feelings that are about to cause you to do something that goes against the person that you really are. That's where you dump. You dump it on you. You know why I have a successful marriage for 20 years? Because I figured out where and how to dump. Right? That's what it takes. You dump it on your selfishness. Ever go and get, okay, God, I'm here. I'm ready to do some tossing. Hey, God, I'm going to go. Here I am for my quiet time. Hey, God, I need to hear you speak. God, give me a... Give me an awesome message to share with the church this week. I'm ready to do a little bit of tossing. And God's like, cool, I need you to go apologize to Jesse for the way you talked to her last night. Have you talked to Jesse for what she said last night? God's like, this is me and you, bud. See, this is where you dump on you. You were never called to dump on Jesse. You were never called to kill areas in her that need to be killed, in your opinion. No, this is where you dump on your pride. This is where you realize, no, that's an ugly part of me that needs to die. And so you dump. in the area that's holding you back you learn how to dump can I read you one more scripture we're done Matthew 5 it's the same one we read but it's in the message Bible the one we started out with because this is what we're supposed to look like let me tell you why you're here you're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth if you lose your saltiness how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness. And you will end up in the garbage. Don't lose your saltiness. So Jesus called us to be salty. And I promise you, if you look around the room, you think about people you know. The greatest people you know and the people that will change the world and the people that will have the greatest impact on the world. The greatest Christians you can think of are, are ones that have learned how to be salt. 
And it's ones that have learned how to discern when and where. When do I sprinkle? On who do I sprinkle? When do I toss on myself? And when am I in close enough relationship with somebody else to, to toss a little their way to make disciples? And what areas of me do I need to dump? What areas of me need to go to the cross so that I'm free, so that I can be what I'm called to be? Those are the ones that start to look like Jesus. You can see it all throughout Jesus' life and ministry. Go read it. I mean, sometimes it... He was doing a little tossing on the disciples. And he said, Peter, can get, get behind me, Satan. He was tossing salt. That didn't taste good to Peter. But when that woman was brought to him in the act of adultery, <laughs> he said, if you, he who has no sin cast the first stone, he gave her grace, forgiveness. Why she needed to sprinkle. Wasn't time to toss. Let's pray. God, give us wisdom. God, give us discernment. We want to be the salt. We want to change the atmospheres that we're in. We want to bring out the God flavors in the world. God, help us to not only flavor, but to preserve. To preserve our our relationships and our church and our personal faith life to preserve your story and our story as they tie together. And God, give us wisdom and discernment to know when to dump, when we're out of line, when we're living a lie. And we need to kill that thing because we want to live in truth. We want to live knowing the truth in you. We want to know the truth about our situations and our circumstances. So God, help us to know when to dump on the lie. God, we love you. Thanks for making us salty. In Jesus' name, amen.